This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by Acts 29 with an invitation to their 2024 Next Conference happening April 15th through the 17th in Dallas, Texas. You don't want to miss this great lineup of speakers, including Sam Albury, Matt Chandler, Brian Loritz, John Piper, and more. The Next Conference will equip and encourage church planters and church leaders of all types for church ministry. To learn more and register for Next, visit acts29.com slash next. TGC podcast listeners will receive a special discount of $20 off registration prices by using the code TGC. Again, visit acts29.com slash next. That's acts29.com slash next. This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by LifeWay, publisher of The Sermon on the Mount Bible Study by Jen Wilkin. In this nine-session study, Wilkin invites readers to examine and learn from Jesus' longest recorded message and challenge themselves to think differently about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. With your purchase, you'll also receive access to this study's video sessions. Get your copy today at lifeway.com slash sermon on the mount. Welcome to the Gospel Coalition Podcast, equipping the next generation of believers, pastors, and church leaders to shape life and ministry around the gospel. On today's episode, you'll hear a panel discussion moderated by Colin Hansen with Melissa Kruger, Michael Kruger, Jackie Hill Perry, and Preston Perry. All right, welcome everyone. Breakout session round number two. You are in our session on marriage. Principles for Building Loving Homes. What a wonderful topic. I'm glad, glad everybody is out here. My name is Colin Hansen. I serve as Vice President for Content and Editor-in-Chief of the Gospel Coalition. Well, in our topic here today, we got about 45 minutes to dive in here on this topic, marriage, principles for building loving homes. Marriage is a blessing created by God for the good of his people. However, as Two people live side by side. It's difficult to navigate hardships. In this breakout, we're going to explore healthy principles and help couples support and encourage one another throughout various seasons of life together. Go ahead and introduce our wonderful panelists who are grateful to to kind of come under the examination of this topic and in this session. Uh, first guest here, Jackie Hill Perry, an author, Bible teacher, poet, hip-hop artist. Now, to be clear, you got to clap for everyone now, okay? We know we love Jackie, but you got to make sure you clap for everybody <laughs> now, all right? Uses her teaching and speaking gifts to share the light of the gospel of God as, as authentically as she can. Author of Gay Girl, Good God, the story of who I was and what God has always been. And holier than thou, how God's holiness helps us to trust him. Next, we have Preston Perry. Let's hear it for Preston. A poet, a performance artist, teacher, and apologist. Love inspires him to pair transparency and vulnerability with his creativity in a way that promotes freedom. Preston pursues engagement with people from various faith backgrounds and stands on biblical truth amid his study of other religions. Together they have four children. Wonderful, four children. Glad you guys are here together. All right, next we've got Melissa Kruger. Let's hear it from Melissa. Our director of women's initiatives for the Gospel Coalition authored many books just this year, 
Um, but her, her catalog over time includes The Envy of Eve, Finding Contentment in a Covetous World, Walking with God in the Season of Motherhood, and Growing Together, Taking Mentoring Beyond Small Talk and Prayer Requests. And Melissa, and finally, Mike Kruger. Let's hear it from Mike Kruger here. Mike is president and professor of New Testament and early Christianity at Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina, author of numerous books, one of his most recent, Surviving Religion 101, and he is a past president of the Evangelical Theological Society. Together they have just just three, three children. And we know one of your children is here, so if there's anything you say in this panel, we can go ask her. We can go check. We go right here. We'll go talk to, we'll talk to yeah, him about it. Yeah, she'll be the truth teller. Yeah, she'll be the truth teller. All right. We'll give a thumbs up or a thumbs down over here. Okay, let's start this off here. I'm going to start with the, start with the Krugers down here. All of your work in, you know, all of you are working in ministry in some way or another. You're all in the public eye. We're all sitting up here together. What would you like people watching and listening to know about your marriage? Start with the Krugers. Um, I would say the thing I would want everyone to know is it's a normal marriage. Um, I think sometimes, you know, you see people in Christian ministry and they can seem super spiritual (laughs) and, oh, you think, I bet, you know, they pray before everything they do. Um, I bet they pray before they walk into the other room. I mean, we're just normal people. (laughs) And like that, we're selfish people. And um, we can, we, we are sinful people. And so even though we live in the public eye, um, we deal with the reality of sin, just like anybody else. And it's hard. And sometimes I think um, we can expect more of the other because we are in ministry. And sometimes that's a false expectation. Everybody needs a moment where they can just be home with someone and not be the pastor or not be the women's director or whatever. So our marriages are really normal, I think. I think so. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think one of the things we would love people to know about our marriage is that it's a blessing to do ministry together. Um, I think not everybody has to do ministry in a super public way, but there really is something rich about serving Christ together in active ways. I'm, I'm sure that uh, Jackie and Preston will say something similar to that, which is that that really does unite you together. You have a common vision and a common goal. I mean, there's marriage isn't successful when you just focus on each other the whole time and say, meet my needs, meet my needs. Marriage thrives when you together look at some third thing, namely Christ, and pursue him. And I think that's what makes it such a blessing. Perry's, what would you guys like, like everybody to know about your marriage? I'll say ditto. No, like the same thing they said, really. We're just normal people. I think sometimes when you live in the public eye, people think that you're not. But yeah, I think I always try to make people know that I'm as normal just as you. You know what I mean? So, If I had to add anything, it would be that we are always working on our marriage. I think uh, because we've been so transparent about certain struggles or certain issues, it could seem as if the work is past tense. When it's like, no, this, we are actively always having to uh, process and challenge each other and grow and repent and do all the things. And we might be for the rest of our lives, but it's made our marriage better. So She's always challenging me. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I just challenged him. You saw that. <laughs> Point proven. 
point to Preston. <laughs> well, let, this is the topic that we, that we have here. What does a loving home look like? Jesus. Uh, <laughs> okay, thank you for the Sunday school Jesus. answer. Jesus. God. Like Jesus. Um, one, I think it looks authentic. And so I think there are some kind of like inauthentic ways of loving uh, one another and even loving our children that is actually controlling or uh, weird or legalistic or, you know, like I think a loving home for us is how do we be ourselves while at the same time leaning into what the spirit is having us do with it with each other with our children even how, how do we even use our home and our living room and the the rooms we have in our kitchen to serve the community or the church or our friends like I think that's what love is it's like what would God have me do with this body in this marriage with these children in this house today so I think also too uh, like literally like like always hearing hearing each other like, even with my children, sometimes I have to remind myself, even though they're children, they're still people, right, made in the image of God. And so, like, when my seven-year-old comes to me with, a, with an issue, um, not to just write her off as a seven-year-old, but, like to, like, to listen to her heart and her mind and her thoughts. And so I think, I think we try to do a good job of respecting one another, um, res respecting each other's emotions and feelings and talking Sometimes I get tired of talking because I live with a lot of women, right? But I, you, you, you need to talk, you know, and to hear one another. And so I think we try to do a good job at that as well. I mean, let's talk, Kruger's on this. What's the first thing that comes to mind? You think of a loving home. First thing that comes to mind. I would say warmth. Um, I heard someone one time say, light up when your kids walk in the room. And I think it applies for your spouse too. I think it's really easy to take our families for granted. And you know, somebody walks in the room and you're like, oh, I was doing something important. Um, and I realize how that they need us and I need him to light up when I walk in the room, like to take the time to greet him when he comes home, to take the time when my kids walk in, to, to stop my work and say, hey, how are you doing? Just the simple things, but I think warmth. It just shows, I think you matter, and I'm not tired of you. So I would say warmth. Yeah, one of the th our kids are getting older and older now, so we have one who's a senior in college and one about to start college and one still in high school, and I keep waiting for the moment, maybe I'm bracing as a father, like when are they going to not want to be around us anymore? And I keep thinking any day now, you know, I'm, I'm like pretty soon they're going to not want to be here, but we've been so encouraged to see how much they want to spend time with their siblings, want to spend time with us, want us to all be together. And when I see that kind of cohesion, I think, okay, God has really done something great here because, you know, just enjoying being together is a, is a sign of a, of, a, of a healthy family. And that's one of the marks I would point to. When you guys look back, your kids are older than my kids, than your kids. Can you pinpoint anything, a decision, a value you implemented that you feel has allowed your kids to be able to, to feel that way and for your home to feel that way? I'm, I'm thinking, for example, that I would say through the COVID shutdown in 2020 specifically, my, my kids got closer to each other because they couldn't, they couldn't hang out with anybody else. They weren't seeing anybody else. And, and I, I see them just as they continue to grow older, a boy and a girl, they, they love each other and they just love being best friends with each other. Can you look back on anything and you see, that was something we did, I'm glad we did. Yeah, when I, when I think about 
a family, I think one of the things we tried to really work on is, is this concept of tone in a family. Like, it, there's, every family has rules, every family has boundaries, and that should be there, and parents have to, to put those in place. But there's a feel to a home that is sometimes intangible. And I think one of the things we really tried to do, and I hope we did a good job at it, was make a home that was warm, gracious, kind, and, 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 and willing to, yes, uphold the, the, the standards of the Bible, but in a way that was kind and, and gracious to our children. And I think that... I think that bears fruit in the long run because that's how God is with us. God is kind and gracious and patient with us. How could I be less kind and gracious to my kids than God is with me? All right, Preston, I want to ask you this question. What's the best marriage advice you've received? It could be in premarital counseling. It could have been last week. What is the best marriage advice you've received? That's a really good question. Um, so our first year of marriage, we, did, we didn't like each other that much. We loved each other. I'm just being 100. That means real. Um, <laughs> uh, we didn't like each other that much. I think we were friends for three years, and then I, I automatically assumed that the transition into marriage would be an easy one because we were such close friends. But um, I, didn't, I had to learn her in a different way, and it was hard, and it was tough, and we came in, in, in marriage with our own baggage, our own issues. And um, my disciple had told me one time, if, if God gave me a spouse that met my every condition, I would never learn how to love unconditionally. And that just challenged me to know that um, this life, this Christian walk is about sanctification, you know, um, being conformed to the, into the image of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times God is going to use marriage to do that. Um, I'm, in a, I'm in a relationship with a person which has such like close proximity with me, who knows all my flaws, who sees all my mess up close and personal. And God is going to use this, this, this relationship to challenge me and to grow me. And so I think that, that, that advice um, helped me to see that even in those moments when it's really, really hard, that if I, if I seek humility, if I, if I don't have a pity party about how hard our relationship is at the moment when I get out of this, um, God is going to use this to make me a better husband, a better human, a better disciple. And um, it has. So, Jackie? Uh, I don't know who said it, but I, I think um, somebody helped me to see how the way I loved Preston is a good reflection of how I'm loving God. Um, because I think it's so easy to feel like if Preston irritates me or makes me mad or whatever, like that I can speak crazy to him and that isn't actually proof that something is off with me and the Lord. And so I've, 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 I've kind of started to develop this kind of thing where it's like, okay, if I'm dealing with impatience or if I'm dealing with fear or bitterness or anger, I don't fix it by trying to do better. I fix it by worship. Uh, fix it with God. What is going on with what? Do, what do I need to believe about you that will inform how I can love Him better? And so I think that's been transformative for Talking me. Talking good, wife. Thank Talking you, <laughs> Melissa. Best marriage advice? I'm going to switch up what I was going to say, which might make you nervous. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, this actually came around longer. It was in Tim Keller's uh, Meaning of Marriage book. And what I love that he said, and I'm going to paraphrase, you know, Tim Keller, so it's going to be lesser than the way he said it. <laughs> um, but he said, marry someone who, when you look at them, you see their glory self. You see the person that when you get to heaven, 
you look at them and say, I always knew you could be like this. Like you're wait, you're so for them. And I just thought that was a great way to look at your spouse. And, and, and I can say, you know, like I look at Mike and I feel that. Like I'm like, I'm so excited about the person God is making you to be. So rather than, it's really easy in marriage to look at faults. Um, rather than to say, look at what God's doing in you and through you. And I'm so excited that he's going to continue that. So. Yeah, I mean, kind of riffing off that, because I mean, I think I, have, I heard similar advice as someone said it a little differently, which is when you marry someone, obviously you really like many things about them. And let's imagine that you like 90% of what you see in that person, but there's 10% you wish were different. Um, some people enter marriage and they spend the next 50 years on the 10%. Um, and not that there's not need for change and not that you don't recognize that growth has to happen and should happen, but there's a sense in which people will spend their whole marriages irritated and frustrated by the 10% rather than celebrating and rejoicing over the 90% that, that, that God is doing in this person's life. And I, I just think that's great marriage advice. Um, now, some of you may be thinking, I don't know if my spouse is 90 10, maybe it's more like 60, 40, I don't know. Um, and I think about Melissa Mary me, it's more like 50, you know, maybe 50, 50 at best. But either way, focusing on what God is up to in their lives can be a great way to, to, to bring that optimism into your marriage. And that was Elizabeth Elliot. Was that Elizabeth Elliot? Yeah. Okay. So he quotes Elizabeth Elliot, I quote Tim Keller. <laughs> Makes sense. Was there anything, starting with the Krugers, that you saw growing up that made your home loving that you wanted to carry through? One thing I'm thankful for, um, my parents were not pressureful. They um, encouraged us to love learning. They encouraged us, um, I mean, my mom took me to the library all the time and let me check out like 10 books. But I never felt pressured by grades or by sports or to be anything really other than me. Um, I mean, of course, like not me in the simple way, like they disciplined me and stuff like that. But they were very just, they just, I would say my dad delighted in me. And it was the greatest gift I could ever have. He just delighted in who I was, not who they wanted me to be in this mold. I, I guess I would say it this way. I didn't feel like my parents based their self-worth on who I was. They let me be me and just delighted in me being me. And that was a huge gift. One of, one of the things that is, is not magical or, or anything about my family growing up, which I appreciate that is we really enjoy doing activities together. Um, and you know, families relate in different ways. Some families sit down and have long, extensive conversations and that's, that's wonderful. My family happened to be the kind of family where we would, we would do things together. So we had like family sports and family activities that we really loved. And um, I, I appreciate the way that can bring a family together because you, you have something in common that you, that you enjoy and the whole family is uh, engage in that activity and it, it, it makes your family fun at times, you know, and it doesn't mean it's always that way There's times of seriousness, but I appreciate it, but appreciate that growing up and I, we, we've tried our best to try to inculcate some of that I think uh, in our home, too I'll Let me ask this. I'm gonna go back. Let's go back to premarital counseling I'll turn to the pairs. I don't know if you did premarital counseling Okay, if you could be on the other side of yourself in premarital counseling What would you have said to yourself then? I'm gonna be honest. All I remember, they gave like 
they set him aside and set me aside and had the sex talk. And it was just the most awkward thing in the world because we did it with our pastors. And it's like, I really don't even want to know that you know what that is. But anyway. So I, I don't think you should talk about that part. I'm not. Today. I just okay. had to say it, though. We probably don't need to cover I, It was that in part. my spirit, Colin. Um, I, maybe, I, I think it would have been helpful if there was some emphasis ab on, about getting therapy. Because I think we spent time in Ephesians 5. We spent time, uh, you know, talking through how to obey God and love our spouse and uh, sex and all the things. But I think it would have been helpful to see how my woundedness and my trauma will affect how I'm able to obey all of these texts. And so that would have been great. I'll, I'll second you on that one. Shout out for your Jesus Plus Therapy shirt. Thank you. Boldapparel.shop. <laughs> I think for me, um, that, like, I would have said, Preston, you don't have to figure everything out in a year. You don't have to learn how to be a, a, the best husband. You know, you, you, you want to be within the first year, like God is giving you this relationship for the rest of your life. And so you have a lifetime to learn a person. Um, and also, you have a lifetime to learn yourself. Like, I didn't even really know who I was really, really when I first got married. And so, um, giving myself more grace. I think when I first got married, I was so anxious and I was so um, nervous. And in some ways, I started to be like a Pharisee to my wife instead of Jesus because I was so fixated on trying to um, make our marriage the best marriage possible in the first year. Instead of just learning her and enjoying her. And so when I just, to be honest, I just had to relax, you know, and just let God do his thing. Um, and I think uh, it helped me when I, when I realized that. I, I love premarital counseling. I wonder, though, why we don't think that we, that should continue, whether there should be like a, let's check back in six months after the wedding or a year after the wedding. That would be very valuable to do. Okay, Krugers, you could go back. Premarital counseling. Did you do premarital counseling? Okay, you could go back. Now you're counseling yourselves. What do you say? I would say pray more and do not try to be the Holy Spirit for your spouse. <laughs> I mean, I it think... It hasn't worked. Yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes, you know, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm supposed to change him. Well, the you know, God's going to change him. I need to be praying for him. It doesn't mean you don't confront. I mean, all of us need, we, you know, that, that's fine to confront your spouse and say, hey, this isn't working. But I just think I would pray. I would say, just be praying for them every day. Pray for them every day. Yeah, I wish someone had pulled me aside and just said, you know, you don't have to win every disagreement in your marriage. <laughs> I know you're not married yet. You're going to get married. And somewhere in your head, you think if there's a disagreement, I've got to sort of quote unquote, win this, this argument or discussion. And what, what if you didn't try to do that? What if you tried to listen? What if you tried to, to understand? What if you actually quote unquote, lost a few of these discussions? You might find that that actually makes your marriage a lot more healthy. Um, and I think, you know, if, I wish someone could have grabbed me by the collar and shook me a little bit and gave me that advice. You're convicting us, boss. You're convicting us. <laughs> is, it, is it even possible to win an argument against your spouse? I mean... Well, that's exactly the point I right. wish someone had made to me. You, you, you cannot win even if you think you win. You've lost. Right, exactly. 
The only way to win is by not playing. <laughs> is by is by not playing. Let's do, let's just stay on a positive theme here. How does your spouse point you to God? Let's start with Mike. I'm sorry. How does your spouse point you to God? Oh wow. Um, I'm so blessed with a spouse that points me to God all the time in, in ways sometimes I don't even know that I need. I mean, I think she, people sometimes say, I'll, I'll pray for you, or I have prayed for you, and they don't really mean it or don't really, didn't really do it. She, she, she does it. I know that she is for me, lifting me up before the Lord all the time in a really uh, genuine way. And that's both encouraging and convicting, right? It's encouraging because I know she's praying for me and convicting like, wow, I need to do better. Uh, and praying for her. And so that always points me back to what matters. Melissa? Um, More than any person in my life, um, Mike has been an example of God's love for me. Um, I've never felt a day that, even when we're fighting and even when we're mad at each other, I... He's so loyal and so loving to me. And I I just always feel that he's for me. And it really is a picture of just the Lord's love. Like no matter how far you run, no matter what you do, I'm going to love you. And he just chose to do that. I mean, he chooses to do that. He does. It's not because I'm lovable. He chooses to just say, I love you. And that teaches me a lot about God's love. Preston? (laughs) Um, that she's ready. Um, <laughs> most, most people um, that's in Jackie Life will tell you, uh, I'm, I'm a gas her a little bit, that she is literally the most thoughtful person that, that they know. Um, she's very thoughtful. She pays attention to the, to, to the little things. And so uh, in areas that I'm struggling, um, I will always get a text from her that will remind me to look at Jesus in this way. Um, even when I when we first got married and, you know, I, I would lose my temper at times and she would, Preston, think about God. You know, that was the, she used to always do that to me. But yeah, she's thoughtful. And so I, I think the way she, the way that she loves me often makes me think about how intentional God is, um, that he gave me somebody who is so intentional. Like if I have a wife that this, she's this intentional, how much more uh, intentional uh, is God, you know, who, who cares for me even more. And so... Yeah, she's just a, a great wife in a way. Thanks. Um, a lot of ways. I, I, I'm going to say two things quickly. One is I, I think it's really good to have a spouse that I can banter theologically with. Um, honestly, like if, if, if he just was like, if all he knew was John 3.16, that's beautiful. It's still inspired <laughs> by the Holy Ghost. But... <laughs> So, like, the fact that we can have these kind of high-level conversations really does stir me up uh, to good works. But I think also, Preston is just really good to me. And I think him being good to me makes me grateful, but it also humbles me. Because when somebody is good to you, it kind of, it shows you a mirror when you're not being good. Um, And so, I just have to respond a different way when he over here being like Jesus. I should have set this up so that each one of you was talking to the other person directly with this instead of talking to me. Should have had you turn, say, you know, say it to your spouse. You're, you're becoming a marriage counselor here. Kyle. I know. <laughs> so I'm supposed to be counseling on the stage. <laughs> All right, Melissa, next question I'm only going to ask to you. Okay, only asking you this question. You don't just marry a spouse. You marry your spouse's family. We've heard a little bit about Mike's family. What does it mean to honor your spouse's father and mother 
or brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins and the whole Kruger clan. Um, one advice that I was given by our pastor in premarital counseling was love the ones your loved one loves. And that has been a nugget that I have held on to. So it's, it's his family, but it's also his friends. It's also the, what he loves, like be a part. And sometimes that's really hard. I mean, we all know um, loving families are hard in general. And so then when you add two families together, and sometimes what can be frustrating about the other person's family is actually what you're frustrated about your spouse about, because you're like... <sighs> this is coming from your side of the family and you know, whatever. And so you, you're, you're almost frustrated with them because you're actually frustrated with each other. So I would just say, and we, we both experienced this. So really, really seeking to love the ones your loved one loves and that's gonna require sacrifice and that's gonna require maybe doing things that, you know, like thankfully they've never made me go camping. Like, like, I mean, but, you know, his family is a big skiing family. And so I learned to ski. And, you know, you go along with what their family's doing and try to be a part of their family, too, because he's doing the same with my family and trying to be a part of my family. Okay, I like that. That's great. Um, okay, I'll start with the Perry's on this question. Do you practice anything in particular to protect your marriage? I'm not thinking about just one narrow slice of protecting, just... Anything or everything? Is there anything particular that you do to protect your marriage? Um, I know one thing, and we said this on social media one time and got some flack for it, but we, we confess quickly. Um, and so if he is struggling or being tempted in a particular way, he will tell me and let me in on that. If I'm struggling or being tempted in a particular way, I will tell him and let him in on that. And I think it's just created this safe space for us now. I think the way to temper that is, I cannot be, I am a kind of accountability partner for him and vice versa, but I cannot be the only one. Yeah. So at the point that he is always confessing everything to me, that becomes a burdensome thing because I'm your wife, right? And so there have been times where it's like, okay, you need to go with your friends and like play basketball and then talk to them about all your struggles because I can't handle all of them. But I do appreciate the fact that you are vulnerable and open enough and love me enough to tell me that this is what's happening so that I can be praying for you. Uh, that's probably the, one of the main things I'll, I'll, I'll say as well. I think another thing that protects my marriage as well is that I don't, uh, I try not to have any relationships that I feel like is fruitful to my marriage. And if I, or if I'm, you know, friends with young ladies, I don't, I don't, I don't really have a lot of friendships with young ladies outside of. None. Yeah. <laughs> Only because. <laughs> We're friends, okay. you know. A, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just being real. Like a guy, you know, uh, recently in my my city asked me, like, how do how do how do you stay pure? And and I, I tell him all the time, I'm just always with my wife. I'm just always with her. And so I don't I don't even want to put myself in a position where I'm going to be tempted. And so I'm always just with my wife, and all, I'm always with my kids. And so you know, it kind of just helps me eliminate that temptation. So I think that's one way, good way to protect. Can I say we, one more thing? We're going to start bantering on no, this. No, I'm telling you. Because I love this question. Another thing that Preston does that, that is really wise to me is that he has 
really healthy male friendships with other husbands that love their wives. Because I've seen when men are husbands, but they have some raggedy, just ratchet friends, it, it, it doesn't serve that man. And so I think the fact that he has friends that like love and honor their wives, it just creates this community that is really good. Okay, can I say one more thing? Yeah. <laughs> I told somebody recently that uh, as I started to mature as a Christian, I was not gravitated towards men who did not celebrate their wives publicly. Yeah. Like it's something about seeing a man that celebrates his wife publicly and loves his wife publicly. Like if I come around you and I've been around you a year, you never mentioned your wife. I ain't judging you, but I'm kind of judging you. You know what I'm saying? And so I, th I think I think because I, 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 as I started to mature, I started to gravitate towards men like that. I just saw that men helped me to be a better husband. A good husbands help me to be a better husband. And so the more I surrounded myself around men like that, uh, I think. God just helped my marriage in so many different ways. And if you were ever around a woman who was complaining to you about her husband... I mean, I feel like the ladies got to deal with that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> run. Run, run far run, away. Run. Absolutely. run as fast as you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. All right, Krugers. Protecting. I think you need to protect... We're terrible marriage. at this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if we have any sort of rule or concrete, okay, here's our policy. Um, I mean, a lot of what you all said we resonate with. I mean, I think one of the things that's blessed our marriage is we, get, we, we do get to spend a lot of time together, um, particularly now that, that we're able to do more travel together. That's a real blessing. I think that really is a guard on any marriage. I mean, one, one of the things we try to implement, it's not really that, that much of a rule or a policy, but I think is a way to keep your marriage healthy is to have other married couples. You guys hinted at this. Other married couples that you can be with together so that you're not, it's not like the husband's off with the guys and the wife's off with the girls all the time and then it's kind of two separate lives, but there's people that can look at your marriage, watch your marriage, see you in action. I think that can be really healthy to sort of make sure you're seeing your blind spots, um, having those other couples in your life. One thing I will say, and I think y'all do a good job of this because I'm always jealous on Instagram when I see your vacations. I'm like, <laughs> I want to go with Preston and Jackie to wherever they are. Um, but is, I think, I think there were seasons when we had young kids that we forgot to have fun with each other. Um, and, you know, life becomes, are you going to change the diaper or am I going to change the diaper? You know, it just, it becomes almost like, are you going to take out the trash or am I going to take out the trash? And we had a season where we actually lived overseas. And during that time, um, we got to go out on a date night every week. And we just realized, oh... This is so nice because I was wrongly using our date nights as the time to work on our marriage, which meant I was telling him everything he needed to work on. So That's why we had so few date nights. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not a great use of your date night. And so just to, I think one positive way you protect your marriage is by working on it but to have fun together, to remember why you like each other, to be together, um, to have conversations, not about your kids, but to have conversations about the world, about God, and about life. And that's, that's a positive way we protect. Uh, you guys took this in the direction that I was wanting to go of, we've got different seasons of, of ages of children, and therefore different seasons of marriage. Um, and it's you can just see the, the data shows that with young kids, it's hard. 
Um, a lot of things are very difficult during that season. So let's, let's think it forward. You guys, the Krugers, you're further down the line. How would you like your children to describe your marriage and home when they grow up? Well, we, we've hit on some of these themes, which is, you know, as our kids have gotten older, I hope when they have a family, they can look back really fondly and think, you know, our family really loved being together. Um, so, you know, I think about prior generations in America, and every generation is different, but I, I, I grew up in the 1980s, which has its own issues. But in the 80s, everything was about parental angst. If you watch any 80s movie, it's all about how I can't stand my parents, and the parent can't stand the ch- teenager, and you're just waiting to get out of the house, and that's sort of the dominant theme in the 80s. What we wanted to build in our family was, was a theme that was like, no, yeah, there's always challenges, but we, we want you to enjoy being together. And... I hope that someday when our kids are out of the house, they can look back and say, if there's a big takeaway is that we had something in common, namely Christ, and that we love to get, be together as a, as a family. And just to add to that, I hope they will see we delighted in God's word and that it, his commands are delightful, not burdensome. Um, we tried to, to show the goodness of obeying God rather than you're a miserable failure, a burden, you know, type thing. Like we wanted to show the loveliness of Christ in our home. Um, and I think in ministry families, sometimes our kids can wrongly bear the burden, burden of representing us. And so if they make mistakes, we're harder on them because we're like, you gotta, you gotta be okay because he's the pastor or whatever. And we really tried not to do that, but to, to let them, to hopefully show that following Christ was a joy and not a burden on them. Paris? It's a hard question, man. Um, I, I think for me, I, I, I want my, my daughters in particular, I, I want them to um, have a standard of how, you know, they would like to be treated by their husbands, by the way I, I treated their mother, you know. Uh, early on in my, my Christian walk, somebody told me that no, your, your children are, are not going to only look at you as a good father by the way you treated them, but how you respect and love th- their mother. And so, I mean, I'm not perfect and I'm far from it, but I, I, I do, when they get older, I want them to, to say, nah, my, my, my parents' marriage wasn't, wasn't perfect, but I always saw them working through hard issues. I always saw my father pursuing my mother. I always saw you know, my mother respecting my father and I, I, you know, and, and mainly because I didn't, I didn't have it. I grew up in a broken home and I always saw dysfunctional relationships growing up. And so, I don't know, I just, I, I want them to have a standard of how they should be treated, um, you know, when they get older. So. Yeah, I, I guess I feel the same. I don't know what I would say. I don't know how I would categorize it, but I guess for me being... Uh, fatherless, not growing up seeing a man and a woman love each other well, um, but also kind of being the only child. I think all of that together made me someone who felt abandoned often and lonely most days. And so I think for my children to not only have siblings, which isn't say everybody has to have siblings, but for them to not only have siblings, but a mother and a father, and even my mother lives with me. So to have this intergenerational kind of um, access, I think all of that together, I just kind of want them to be like, man, my first community was a whole community and um, that would bless me. So let's do one last question and let's stay, let's stay positive on this. I've, 
I had a question on here what would to grow as a spouse, but again, that felt like a counseling question. So I thought, uh, let's, let's reorient that and think God is faithful. He's loving. He's working everything to his glory and our good, working everything to completion in our lives. Let's imagine 20 years we were all to sit here together and looking back on loving homes, loving marriage. What would you want to have seen happen in those 20 years in your marriage? Looking back on that, well, you know, project it forward, God's faithfulness over the next 20 years. What would you like to have seen during that time? You can start. <laughs> You're beaming on my ear. Um, <laughs> I was just waiting for the first person to make eye contact. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm going to have to, I'm going to be negative first and then get positive. So probably I can be, I can be uh, proud and arrogant and egotistical. Um, there's another word for it, but this is a Christian thing. And so I, I <laughs> in 20 years, honestly, legitimately, I just want to be more humble. Like, I, I just, I, I just want to be a humble woman who don't got to get the final word, who don't got to, like, critique your sentence structure and, like, you know, stuff like that. Like, because you would love that, right? That would be great. I yeah. think that would be absolutely great. <laughs> I feel like I'm in an English class every day. I'm just saying. <laughs> Man, that's, I'm going to pray for that. Um... <laughs> Yes, it's on video, so we can we can play it back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I, I think for me, uh, okay, y'all go. I'll come back to me. I, I, I'm not still thinking, still pondering on what she just said. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, the first thing in 20 years, I just hope we're both still alive. <laughs> okay. I'm not Assuming you're not in glory. <laughs> <laughs> With your resurrection body, seriously, Christ having him. returned. I tell him a ton. Don't you dare die on me now. It's, we've just gotten to the good part. Um, <laughs> I, I feel out of breath, like my heart isn't. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I'm really. I look forward for the next 20 years. Um, I just hope I hope we get to do ministry together more and more. I mean, we're moving into a different season, so maybe that's what I'm. I'm kind of looking at. Um, I just, I honestly, I just hope we're both walking with the Lord. I just want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Um, and I want that to be in our marriage. Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't want your hopes to be too modest, but my, I feel like my hopes are really modest in the sense. I just hope we just faithfully finish the race. You know, my, my goal isn't accomplishing what the world would see as great and amazing things necessarily, but you know, I always say when I do a wedding that, you know, marriages aren't about marriages. Marriages are about the wedding that's coming oh. with Christ and the church. So you're really getting married, but you're really just a picture of, a, of another wedding day yet to come. So I hope that when we're done, we can say that we are really about that, that wedding day and that people could look at our lives and see that, that we were really about a different wedding altogether. I'm sorry. I, 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 I got it now. It just popped in my head. I'm sorry. I think it's. I think it was. Sometimes it's difficult for me to answer questions like this because it's hard for me to think so far ahead, ahead, ahead. But I think in 20 years, oftentimes when I talk about marriage, I feel like I won't even marry eight years, you know. And so I'm still a baby at this. But in 20 years, I hope that we are in a place where God has brought us through enough stuff where we can sit down and counsel 
young married couples um, and be to young married couples in a lot of ways I feel like what we didn't have um, and not even on a public you know platform but more in a local context where we can sit down and like help people get through hard things I feel like man um, I, I, I will hope we would have a lot of wisdom and um, yeah just a lot of knowledge to, to pour into young people man. Appreciate that. Now, Krugers, you, you guys took it in the death direction. You could have taken it in the grandchildren <laughs> direction. There were a lot of other options you could have pursued there. But anyway, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll close in prayer. But let's first thank everybody. Thanks to the Perrys. Thanks to the Krugers. Preston, would you pray to close us here? Preston, you pray? Can you pray? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Pray? Yeah, go ahead. Oh. I can hear you. Oh, man. Um, dear great Lord, we thank you um, for this time. We thank you, God, for this panel. Uh, we thank you, Father, for everybody that's in the audience. I pray, God, that you would um, not just allow this to, to, to be a panel where we just talk about good things and marriage and stuff like that, but something that we can apply in our everyday lives. I pray for um, the people in the audience, the people who are married, the people who are inspiring to be married, the people who are struggling in their marriage. God, I pray, God, that you would be with them. I pray, God, that our marriages will continue to look like a picture of uh, the gospel and how you pursued your church, your imperfect church. Uh, but, God, you pursued us and loved us first. And so, God, I thank you for your grace, your mercy, your favor, and all those good things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Gospel Coalition podcast. Check out more gospel-centered resources at thegospelcoalition.org.